I often try to put myself in other people's shoes, you know, to think the way they might think, uh, to ask the questions that I think they might ask, to try to imagine how they might feel. I, I suppose that all of us do that from time to time. I find myself doing that at Christmas for lots of different reasons. People find themselves here in church on Christmas Eve, even if church is not something that they regularly do. Some people might come to a service like this, and, and they might not believe everything that the pastor says or, or that the people sing. Some people might come to the service for other reasons. And there are lots of reasons to come to church on Christmas Eve. Family is one of those reasons. Nostalgia drives some. Curiosity, others. We're usually kind of a mixed bag here on Christmas Eve. When it comes to this night, no matter whether church is not our thing or it's our everything, there are certain things that all of us expect. We all expect that we're going to sing the sweet songs, O Little Town of Bethlehem, Away in a Manger, Silent Night. Everybody expects that we're going to hear the, the peaceful uh, story of Jesus' birth read from the Bible. But then we hear some words that I suspect not everybody here is prepared to hear because these are not happy words. In fact, they're the worst. I promise we are going to sing those sweet songs and we are going to hear that wonderful message from Luke chapter 2. Uh, but first this from Genesis chapter 3 because you can't understand Christmas and you can't feel its impact on your heart if you don't know why Jesus was born into this world. So we hear tonight how the first human beings rebelled against God, and we're reminded and we know that, that we do the same. But the glimmer of hope for all of us, uh, the good news, is found in the last words here. It's a promise that's a little cryptic. It talks about someone coming to crush the devil, uh, the one who led people uh, into sin. The promises and the prophecies about the Savior would become clearer and clearer over time after this, and we're going to hear some of those tonight too. Uh, but first, this. They, that is Adam and Eve, heard the voice of the Lord God who was walking around in the garden during the cooler part of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? The man said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate it. The Lord God said to the woman, What have you done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the livestock and more than every wild animal. You shall crawl on your belly, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head, and you will crush his heel. 
gift giving can be stressful for some of us in these weeks leading up to tonight. Uh, we might just not know what to buy for people or what to make for someone. And some people just seem impossible to buy for. When it comes to the first Christmas, God was the gift giver. We were easy to buy for, so to speak. God knew exactly what to give to you and to give to me and to give to all people. But long before he wrapped up his present in swaddling cloths, God made a promise. But the promise seemed impossible. The Lord's interaction with a man named Ahaz, a king who really didn't have much use for God at all, is a pretty interesting account. We don't have time to go into all of that tonight. There's a lot that you could read, but a lot of the details are going to have to wait for another time. What's important for us to know tonight, is, so that we can understand this second uh, lesson, is that God gave his good news to his people when he promised the impossible. He said that a virgin would bear a child, a son, who would be given a name that would indicate just who this child was. He would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Lord spoke to Ahaz again. He said, ask for a sign from the Lord your God. Ask for it, either in the depths below or in the heights above. I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. So Isaiah said, listen now, you house of David. Is it not enough for you to test the patience of men? Will you test the patience of my God as well? Therefore, the Lord himself will give a sign for all of you. Look, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and name him Emmanuel. It's fascinating, isn't it, when we hear that a wildly famous person comes from a small town? I mean, the odds are, are so great against it that when a, a tiny little town has that happen, it just gets a lot of attention. Not many people in this world are as famous or as popular as Taylor Swift. She's one that comes from a little town. Why a missing Pennsylvania? A tiny place. And as, as it turns out, she grew up on a Christmas tree farm. But the most incredible small town achieving fame because somebody came from it, somebody far greater came from it, that's the focus of this evening. And that person, he is the focus and the center of our faith. Jesus was born in a small, insignificant town. Bethlehem, a, a little place in the shadow of Jerusalem, the holy city. Someone notable had come from there once before, before Micah gave the, the prophecy that's in front of us tonight. But it had been a very long time, over 250 years. King David was that person. It would be a long time before Micah's prophecy about Jesus coming from this town uh, would be fulfilled, like another 700 years. As famous and as important as David was, uh, as God's people looked back at their history, this one that was to come would be far greater 
eternal, majestic, a peaceful ruler over the Lord's people. And he would come from this little town on the outskirts of Jerusalem. These are the prophetic words of good news from the mouth of the prophet Micah. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, from you will go out the one who will be the ruler for me in Israel. His goings forth are from the beginning, from the days of eternity. Therefore the Lord will give them up until the time when the woman who is in labor bears a child. Then the remaining survivors from his brothers will return to the people of Israel. He will stand and shepherd with the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. They will dwell securely, for at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. This one, Luke chapter 2, a decree went out, the first census, Joseph went up, he went up with Mary, expecting a child, firstborn son, swaddling cloths, manger. This is why you're here tonight, isn't it? This is what tonight is about. This is what makes us smile. This is what makes us sing. This is the good news of Christmas. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governing Syria. And everyone went to register, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the town of Nazareth, into Judea, to the town of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house and family line of David. He went to be registered with Mary, his wife, who was pledged to him in marriage and was expecting a child. And so it was, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. I can't imagine it, really. Can you? You're out there in the fields, in the low hills, just outside little Bethlehem, wrapped up, trying to endure the cold, faithfully watching your sheep that are all tucked in for the night. Even on this Christmas weekend, the weather in Bethlehem is nearly identical to our city. Even though that's the case, both temperature and rain this weekend, and we have rocky hills and fields if you go just outside of our city, uh, it's still hard to imagine what it must have been like to be out there and to look up into the sky and see and hear angels. What must it have been like to have to be told, do not be afraid, when you're sitting there terrified <laughs> because you've never seen anything like this on any of your nights out there? 
and you're seeing something that few people have ever seen. And you're seeing something straight out of heaven. More importantly, what must it have been like to have been told the thing that you and all of God's people had been waiting to hear for centuries? I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior was born for you. He is Christ the Lord. A Savior. This is what they knew they needed. They knew about Adam and Eve and how they had rebelled against God. They knew that God had promised to send a Savior. Census workers, pregnant young couples, shepherds, kings, priests, they all needed someone to pay for their sins, to bring forgiveness, to give salvation. There are no exceptions to that need here tonight. This night is special because of the message of the angels to the shepherds. In Jesus, we have a Savior from sin. He brings peace. He brings goodwill between God and us. This is good news, and this brings us great joy. There were in the same country shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior was born for you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude from the heavenly army praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward mankind. What an amazing thing to witness, those angels. But they weren't the most incredible thing those shepherds would see that night. The sheep would be without their night guardians for a little while because... Prompted by the angel's news, those shepherds hurried off to see the newborn Savior, the one that had been promised for so long and now was here. I don't know how long it took them to get to the manger. I have no idea how long they stayed. I don't know anything about all of the people that they, they told the, the good news of the Savior's birth to. I don't know how long they spent doing that before they returned to the cool calm of the the fields where their sheep were sleeping? But this I do know. When they finally tore themselves away from staring down at the very Son of God lying in a manger, they had the greatest news to tell. It was, it is, literally the greatest news in the world. And if this news of God's love in sending his son and in Jesus' love in coming to bring you forgiveness of sal and salvation, if that's for the whole world, well, then it's for you. And if you believe this good news, it means that someone shared it with you. 
Think about that. The angels told the shepherds, who told other people, who then told others. And then later, when Jesus was grown up, he preached and he taught and he died and he rose from the dead and he ascended and some people looked at him and they saw him as their savior too. And what did they do? They told other people who told other people and since that time, that good news has been shared right down today to today to you who are sitting here tonight. I don't have to tell you what to do with that good news, do I? You have seen this baby in the manger. You know who he is. You know why he came. You know what he did. He means the world to you. And the world will be amazed when you tell them who Jesus is and what he came for. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, now let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they told others the message they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed by what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, thinking back to where we began tonight with Adam and Eve, God could have rejected the world that had rejected him, but he didn't. In these last words of God that we hear this evening, the Apostle Paul explains why. In these gospel-soaked verses, you'll hear it in words like kindness, love, mercy, grace. The love of God appeared in the person of his Son, the rescuer who came to save people from their sins. When I read these words, you're not going to hear a lot of detail about all that Jesus did to save us. Maybe you know those details. So when you simply hear that Jesus saved us, what will flash through your mind are these things. His cradle, his cross, and his crown of victory. And what you have by faith in him are these things. His love, his forgiveness, and his promise of eternal life. There is no better news than this. And it's yours tonight on this Christmas Eve and always. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward mankind appeared, he saved us, not by righteous works that we did ourselves, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, 
we might become heirs in keeping with the hope of eternal life.